1: back we weren't just saying things sour hour on the brewing network
2: I'm we never like, it's we that ne- time. yeah we never talked to each other off here
1: no never, never scott and i are like the what was it it was like the 50 50s or 60s yankees they, they used to say uh something about that team where it's like 25 caps is a game 25 caps home it's like <laughs> that's how many players on, or like yeah, I think that's how many so players are poker. The they roster. Play, they yeah. leave. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's me and Scott.
2: <laughs> yeah. Except for, no, we there are other phrases we utter like bet, raise, all in, and call.
1: Well, yeah. When I'm forced to hang out with Scott to play poker.
2: <laughs> no, we have fun. It's
1: a good time. It's the Brewing Network Studios in downtown Concord. Just started to rain a little bit out there. It did? Yeah. Uh, here with uh, Bevo in the house. Hey, Bevo.
3: Beaver. Hello.
1: Great content as always. And here with Scott, too. Hi. Great. Okay. Uh, we're here with modern <laughs> times who a little more loquacious than our, than our hosts here. Uh, join us in the chat. Give us feedback. Scott at the brewing com, Jay at the brewing com. watch us, bre- the brewing com slash TV, listen live on the brewing network app, search me on mobile, which brings us to subscribe and leaving feedback. And if you do that, if you leave feedback, we also want to read your feedback on the air and you'll give us a song rejoiner and we'll read it. We will. So leave the feedback. We might even play it. And with that, Scott, it's time for Review of
2: the Week. This is a five-star review from KSUSF. Just started way behind, but love it is the title he says as my title says i've just started listening to this podcast i learned of it about six months ago but just started listening two weeks ago and i'm through episode eight which was 311 day by the way as (laughs) if he said as if i needed any more reassurance that this podcast is legit i love it i've been drinking sour beer since 2010 (laughs) i started with consecration russian rivers gem of a sour beer uh, and have been hooked since i'm going to get through all of these episodes and keep listening into the future keep it up Thank you for the review, KSU. We appreciate it very much. Three stars. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <I don't
4: laughs> it's a sour beer review. It can never be more than. And three and a half stars. Yeah. You know, it's so
2: funny you say that. Look at the, the, the review above that, which we'll get to on a future show. It actually literally says, best BN show, three stars.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my headphones almost fell off. This is the best
4: sour beer I've ever had. Three and a three, half. Yeah.
2: 3.75. Yeah, the Yelpers do the same thing, where they're like, service impeccable, beer amazing, location terrific, three stars. They're like, yeah. what? Why? Yeah, they had a trouble finding parking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, we're All back. Right. You don't want to be easy.
1: Can, you we, have to, can like, we isolate that up?
4: Is this you, just that a re- relationship show now? Is that I, right? yes. <laughs> When hey, you're easy, you get around. No, you've been around.
2: Yeah. That's when but you're you don't want to be easy. Yeah. No, you do want to be easy.
4: You yes. don't want to be easy.
2: What, which one did you say? Sam knows yeah. what I'm talking you about. Anyway, moving on. Nope. <laughs>
1: Andrew and Craig Sam in had the to building. put a ring on it, man. Oh look. Oh, I almost just fixed my headphones by leaning on it. You yes. don't want to be
2: easy. You know, speaking of the easy peasy, we got to pay off that segment.
1: let go Bluetooth. Obviously, I'm a pro. I'm Obviously, this. terrific. I, well, my my kryptonite is teasers. Yes. And now, no, no more no, improv- no, I was going to set it up oh, to, sh- Okay, go ahead. The whole thing I'm a
2: pro ahead. too, as you can see.
3: This is a hot damn mess, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of editing is going to happen. Right. A lot. Always. As always. Uh, three, two. One. And you know what, Scott? What we still need to do more information. So oh, let's go to right. Bevo yes. with.
3: And now,
0: more information with me,
2: Beverly Moore. No, it was. Uh, what it was the what was the best word to describe what like thin and what? thin and L- and fat or loose and tight, loose and tight. Loose and, loose and tight, loose and tight. So Bevo, do you have something for us?
1: Okay, there's actually not a word that can describe
3: those things because they're right, the this exact. Has more,
1: this has been more information with
3: Beverly. <laughs> 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 they're exact opposites. So
1: so, so you failed. Well, no, it it's,
3: doesn't It doesn't
1: exist. So it's what I said it was. It's firm.
2: Um, or, tight loose. Or about, you could about, just
1: say it fits. How about this? Because it's not tight. Oh, that's it's good. Not loose. It, fits. it fits. What about viscous? That's not a, no, that's a thing, viscous? but that's not Isn't what it that is. Thick? That's like liquid. Yeah,
3: thick and, liquid. But what else is it? It's outside the box. It flows.
2: It's loose and tight. What? the uh, fuck? Okay, you guys miss sl- burden, for sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. These guys weren't here for the first segment. They just must think we're disheartened voices. Wait, wait, yeah. uh, the, is it we're all actually just having a stroke right now. <laughs> and this has been...
1: More Less information with information. me, information. Beverly Moore. Hey, it fits. Thanks, Bev.
2: Yeah, it does fit. Okay. That, was, that was both informative and worthless at the same time. <laughs> Tell me what the You're hell welcome. is going on.
1: I think we'll move past it. Three, okay, let's go. Let's yeah, go. Two, three, two, one. One. You don't yes. want to be easy. All right. So we've got a lot to get to here on the show just want to thank a sponsor off the top. How about that? Oregon Fruit Products. Aseptic purees, is easy to use, convenient to store. No additives or artificial flavors. Simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with us brewers to help us innovate.
4: Check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit. I personally love Oregon Fruit. We've used it multiple times. Yeah. There's Oregon grandma. Fruit. So good. They bring fruit to life.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. We do have people on the show, and it's like, I feel like we're a great... I mean, for all the sponsors, but, you know, there's some where it's like, okay, I I haven't been to wine and hop shop. Yep, I have been in Madison, Wisconsin, but the brewers on the show
4: use Oregon fruit
1: and it's good. It's a particularly great fit as sponsors go. A particular set of skills, if you will.
4: Oregon fruit has made it so accessible for us to get all these different fruit needs that we want and it's excellent fruit, you know? Definitely. The Oregon fruit episode was a classic though, by the way. It was great. They're like, oh, how do you open the boxes? They're like or how do you open the, the box of yeah. the little tops and it's like we have this little tool and you're like a million people emailed them. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> oh I want that tool. Need a tool. Yeah, I don't see that that was a like kind of a long time. I don't even
1: remember that. And we just like do pliers. And that's pop because it was off.
2: on the session. No, no, there was both beef. No, it was They both. did both oh, okay. shows.
1: Yeah. yeah, good job. Ooh, Whatever, I'm, I probably wasn't here I'm, for that show. Good job, I, yeah. That's another self burn.
0: <laughs> Priority. <laughs>
1: <laughs> self-burn.
2: Be both, both professional and amateur at the same time.
1: I was going to make another joke about self-burn, but let's move on. You don't yes. want to be easy. Uh, I've got the guys from Modern Times here, and we've got another
4: beer open. We sure do. Do we have to reintroduce ourselves? No. Okay. If you'd like to, that's fine. My name's Andrew. Hi, Andrew. This is Craig. Hi. Hey. Oh, and, we have another beer? And we have a beer. You know what? So last time, uh, last, last episode. Uh, nice. Well done. Yeah. Pro. We were uh, we were talking about, uh, about skin contact. Um, I feel like we're well, gonna be talking were about a it a lot. Where are we? Yeah, oh. let's keep that going.
1: <clears throat> I thought you said it out so loud like a lot were. of times.
4: You just mean. kept
1: saying it out loud <laughs> at random. So, it's like so, uh, I, I look, look for, for sound skin top, top. contact regularly. See, you just said it again.
4: The, I weird. look for
1: skin ta- contact regularly. So, so, yeah, I know. I, you, you, we were just talking about how you say that all the time. Regularly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I said all the
4: time. If you want
1: to say regularly, that's a synonym. Persistently.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Regularly. Persistent skin contact is something that we've we've looked at together, and something that uh, that anyway. So we were talking about last episode, and uh, I think that this is a great segue into this beer, which is called Orphic Fragments. This beer is not even out, so out this month we're releasing it. Ooh, it's a rare one. Um, three hundred seventy-five milliliter yeah. bottle and a beautiful small bottle there. And the thing about Orphic Fragments is that it's a blend of um, kind of it, it's it's taking a lot of these these concepts that we've been talking about in the last episode into this episode and uh such a pro such a pro (laughs) and uh it's a blend of barrel aged saison and stainless fermented saison and then we we aged it on um chardonnay pumice so um essentially chardonnay that was pressed off the juice um the skins and the and the stems and everything um sent down from a, a winery in um, Stegs Leap Winery in um, mm, Napa. And, very um, tasty winery. One of my spot. favorites. Yeah, great so. spot. And uh, they sent us... They're like, oh, you want, you want pumice? And we're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Yeah, you can just take it. Oh, yeah. Like, they're excited get rid- to get rid of it. Yeah, they don't care. It's garbage. So it's like, they sent it down. Well, you just ran out of your supply. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's uh, about I um, I don't know. A million Chardonnay, California Chardonnay producers that yeah. people can get. And we only got... We got one pressing from them. So... This was uh, about, uh, let's see, what was it? I think it was about 800 pounds of Chardonnay skins wow, um, and, and stuff. So we sent that down. We ended up putting it on the Saison. We just packed it in. So we put all the Chardonnay skins in and then pumped Saison uh, onto it. It ended up being 83 pounds per barrel Ooh. of Chardonnay pumice. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, you can taste it. It's really cool. Really kind of funky and fruity and, and got like that stone fruit kind of character. But it all comes from that pumice. I mean, the Saison below it was similar to Celestial City, the beer we had on the first on the first episode. Super good.
2: It's amazing. Now, I, it's perfect because the question I asked at the top of the last show has to do with pumice. Yep. And what I wanted to ask was, on behalf of somebody who, you know, is and they have a barrel program, they're using fruit, you know, my thought is, like, what if I just used, you know, stems and other things than just the fruit across the board to mm-hmm. add complexity mm-hmm. to all my fruited sours? How does that notion strike you?
4: I think that's a... Uh, an interesting concept i think that it's all about experimentation you know something that i was talking about recently was uh was like how do you know what kind of fruit to use like do you want it from this supplier from this supplier do you, like you know which which part of that we have found that um there is no there's no guidebook for this stuff so just figuring it out you know grapefruit you want like you want the zest you do not want any pith you know that's because a, you get you get juicy grapefruit character from that but the pith is bitter Right, mm. so it's like you just don't want that. I mean, unless I'm, I'm just saying in some beers, sure. you know, um, uh, for for some of the things that we've done, you know, mango might be different. You know, do you want a whole mango or do you just want skin? Do you want whatever? It all depends on and, and raw ingredient sourcing like that sort of thing has become so important to us that it's like something we we talk about and we focus on so frequently. We basically have people who just try that stuff out at Modern Times, um, whether it be like cocoa nibs or vanilla. Or uh, different fruits, you know, um, nuts. We use a lot of nuts, like almonds, pecans, stuff like that. And we just have to figure out how to get the, that flavor into the the beer. So something like this, um, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. But I love the grape skin character. And we're going to try a beer later that has this incredible tannic thing from the whole cluster from the stems. And you get this this thing in there where usually I think if you're looking for wine, you can buy wine grape concentrate, must concentrate, or you can buy just straight wine must, like juice. But using like the whole cluster added a level of complexity that we never expected. So it was a happy accident, and something that we we continuously find and then use. Another thing, other beers. So I'm curious. You guys are
1: in San Diego, and you know all the Grove region is up around us, maybe like an hour north in any direction. I'm curious. You order it. How does it get sent to you? How do you receive? What what package is it actually in? When the I think you said something like 800 pounds of. The pumice. What is there when it arrives?
4: Uh, so, and, and this is this is specifically the pumice. So for, from where we got it from, um, and this was a friend of mine. That's how I knew that I could get the pumice. So you know, she worked humble brag. Yeah, she worked. I have friends. Yeah, Jay, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do collabs. We all. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I don't have any friends, so it, I'm just saying oh, that's right. No, humble friends. brag. I feel the same way. <laughs> you know,
4: a, um, but anyway, so uh, I called my uh, my friend. Uh, said it was a collab, and. Oh, wow. And and said, can you ship down this pumice? And we were trying to figure out what the best way to do it. So um, using Golden State Overnight, um, which is a great service in in California, we could probably do a podcast on them and how weird they are. But um, but like go, GSO is great. So they just they we ordered uh, buckets for them, got them ship drop ship there, and they filled them up with a uh, with pumice, and then um, a guy came in probably his own personal car, loaded up the buckets into his truck. No, I don't know. They just came, this they picked them up. too real. Yeah, seriously. It's like uh, the Golden State Overnight guy is here. He's in a, a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> um, anyway, so they the came... Since got an Uber. Yeah, yeah he's tra- got, it, he got on an the Uber. Roof. <laughs> yeah, it's trapped him on the roof. So we just got um, a big 55-gallon um, buckets... And then they filled them up. They actually put a little bit of liquid nitrogen on top oh, nice. um, and just keep it cold so it didn't ferment or anything. And then it came to us the next day. We pulled them out, um, put it on the beer That's the pretty next cool. day. So it was a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, if we were to do it closer to us, there are some wine um, wakers in the Temecula region, which mm-hmm. is about 40 minutes away from, from downtown San Diego. Beautiful, sunny downtown San Diego. Where you can visit modern times. At Seven, what address? 72 degrees all year round at 3725 Greenwood Street. People are going to be flocking there.
2: <laughs> this episode of the Sour Hour is brought to you by the Board of Tourism
4: for San Diego. <laughs> no, actually, we're not the official beer of uh, San Diego. So. What is, is there? A what? Beer Stone? Stone. Actually, let's not get into this. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> you brought it up, dude. I know. <laughs> we're we're right behind Les Lay Girls. You know the, the strip club on Rosecrans. It's where modern Times started and Jay was there this. yesterday. He's nodding feverishly. <laughs> No one should go there. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, this is more of session talk. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm used to that. You yeah, know, not, not like this is episode our, two. Our, um, yeah, right. episode two. We're good. So uh, nobody
1: gets this far. We <laughs> yeah, nobody gets this far.
4: <laughs> so we could get it from Temecula, and if we did that, we would just like drive up, pick up the the must or the grape skins, and then bring them back down. But instead, we just got it shipped down on um, overnight. But it's a great question, and how we we get the skins or the fruit is so important. You know, if it's right. um, going to be. Uh, the other, the other thing that we do and we didn't I didn't bring it here unfortunately is cider. So we actually have a license to make cider. Guess so the we, F out. Yeah. Uh, no, I, sh- I should leave right yeah, now. Yeah, that was a real statement. <laughs> um, and I really, I really I'm really, turn Andrew's mic off here. <laughs> it's dead. It's dead. So I'm up. I, I really apologize for not bringing the cider, but it came out great. And that was a real logistical thing. You know, you never think about this when you're making going to make beer, like the logistics of it. And I think that's something that's huge in home brewing is that like. It's easier in some ways to get like five gallons of something than it is to get like eight hundred pounds of something. You know, picking it, go to the go to the winemaker and just pick up some some skins or buy grapes and and press it yourself or whatever. But with cider, it was another logistical issue, so we had to figure out a way to get cider to our brewery without it fermenting in the truck, you know, and not and and it not adding too much to the cost of that. So um, that's always always something that you're you're looking at. So I'm confused. You guys make. Straight cider, or you just bring so it in for beer? We've done a few beers that are kind of beer cider hybrids, but um, recently our license changed uh, with our barrelage. So in California, when you hit a certain barrelage, you actually, there's a loophole to get to be able to make cider. Hmm. So we released our first cider uh, last month. It's, oh, that's cool. It's called Radix, it was a Wixen. Uh, Which is a a crab apple variety, right? It's like a, yeah. We had to see if it floated um, by putting (laughs) it in water. Um, So uh, (laughs) kill it. (laughs) Yeah, then we burned it. We burned it with fire. Um, So uh, it's Wixon is a a variety of crab apple that is um, both sweet and um, incredibly acidic. And we fermented that in stainless, put it in barrels um, for almost a year, and then we bottle conditioned it as well. So it's like sparkling. Mm. It's completely brute. Um, very dry, lower than one Play-Doh, and um, it is yeah. It's like predates Brewed IPA. You know? That's awesome. Oh, um, whoa, whoa, ancient Brute whoa. cider. So um, it was a really cool cider, and uh, and people were really stoked on it too, which is awesome. We were, um, we weren't sure how people were going to react, but it was kind of a passion project, kind of fun little thing for us, um, small batch. But we're gonna do more cider this year, but. Um, everything is going to be specialty cider, very unique awesome. apples and, and varieties like that. Dry hopping
1: and stuff like that.
4: We're going to see if we're going to do some dry hopping. Ho- hopefully, um, we'll do some stuff. I had some of that Scar of the Sea um, yeah. dry hop cider and was really inspired by that. But it was like it's definitely a side project, but something that we want to mess around with. Yeah. But the Wixon was was really cool. So anyway, getting other um, pumices is, is like that's definitely. A, a project in itself is like sourcing and the logistical is, issues of getting raw materials. For sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think one one question that you know
1: may not apply to a lot of people out there, but there are certainly uh, breweries that listen to the show and they're larger breweries. And maybe they're just starting out their sour program or they're smaller breweries that are feeling like they're growing into a larger program. I mean, I find at the Rare Barrel that the scalability of fresh fruit or just processing or sourcing becomes a huge problem so maybe you could share a story about and we, we spoke about organ fruit right they make it easy they really do it's like you can get drums and it's good stuff and it's awesome but what's like the largest amount of fruit like specialty fruit that you had to source and what were the, some of the pitfalls that went into that
2: no um, pun intended on pit. Yeah,
4: yeah thinking that no. And that, that's yeah. the thing is, I think um, what we have found is that we want to make the most flavorful beer, whether it be you know strawberry or peach or or grape or something like that. We just want to find the way to do that, and we'll make that work. So the thing for us is like you know not even fruit, but when we talk about nuts, uh, like I was talking about nuts for like some of our stouts, we like hand toast everything now because mm. we just found that there's no way to get that character without even when you get toasted almonds or. Or pecans, or hazelnuts, or something like that. We we have to it's too a late, toast. right? It's like not this so so volatile, right yeah. there in the moment. And you just give it one little toast. It doesn't take long, but when you're dealing with like 800 pounds of it, it takes a lot. Yeah. So the the most difficult time we had was just well, every year is uh, during stone fruit season. We just feel that <laughs> that stone fruit you just can't get you just can't get it the same. You know, fresh nectarines, um, and there's some incredible farms in southern. well in. Like a central California that make stone fruit, and, and even in, in almost southern California that make nectarines, peaches. And northern they California, grow. for the record. Sorry, um, <laughs> California is a just whatever. In California, it's the northern California just hotbed. Yes, yeah. And uh, in California, you get these, you get stone fruit, and it's just that's the that's the ideal way to get stone fruit. So we have to pit and and wait until they ripen, and, and then pit and process all that fruit. That takes a lot of time. There's no doubt that everyone just goes through it, and we put it in buckets and, and maintain it. You get the free and the cling stones, right? Yeah, you gotta get free stone. Yeah, you don't but want you don't want cling stone. Well,
1: just by processing, you don't want cling stone. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, ooh, this is really good. Is this free or cling? Oh, cling. Yeah. All right. Well, that just shot down the uh, the amount of the beer we're
4: gonna make. I mean, peaches and nectarines was where, where I really found out, or where we really found out that like there was gonna be this range of stuff that you just thought, oh, a peach. And it's like, no, there's all these different varieties of peach. They are seasonal um, within a season. So it's like the early season, the late season, the middle season. And you have to kind of be prepared for that. So we're like, we'll do multiple, multiple batches of nectarines. There'll be different, different varietals. Or do we want to stick with one and it's all early season? Yeah. And that's like acidity and, and all that. So it's fruit has become such an important part of our beer um, and, and, Varietal has become such an important part of our beer. We never expected that.
1: Oh, for sure. And so, all right. One thing I want to come back with tease, we'll take a quick break, is, you know, we spoke about earlier how we drove a lot of flavor and aroma out of the earlier beers, right? Where it's, you know, either stainless or oak and hops and mixed culture and stuff like that. How do you balance getting enough fruit flavor with keeping those flavors? Well, table that until right after the break. We'll be right back with Modern Times on the Sour Hour.
0: Sour Hour
1: on the Brewing Network. All right. We are back. Let's take a little more in. Here with Modern Times. Having a great time here in the studio during SF Beer Week. There's a lot of beers, a lot of questions to get to, and a lot of sponsors to thank. I want to thank the Wine & Hop shop. Wineandhop.com. Locally owned and operated for over 40 years. Most items shipped within 24 hours. BN listeners get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 25 pounds to send BN shipping in the notes field. The shopping cart. That discount's going to be taken off after checkout. Madison, Wisconsin restaurant restaurants and residents. <laughs> Order order your homebrew supplies online at wineandhop.com, professional, and pick them up at Working Draft Beer Company located on Wilson Street right across from Central Park. We'll waive the shipping, meaning they will. I'm not going to waive it. I have to ship you something. I'm not waiving that fee. They'll waive the shipping fee and give you half off your first beer. Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. Also, listen to other BN shows. You know, you
2: know. Like what's got? Oh, like uh, like Shine Runner, like entre Cervezas, mm-hmm. like Doctor Homebrew, like mm-hmm. Brew Strong, mm-hmm. like Brewing with Style, Tales Hop and tails. Up the- in Brew
1: School. All right, we're back with the guys from Modern Times, and we tease something before the break that I want to get back into, and I'm going to remember the question. It was you are yes whoa because I called out myself that I was not <laughs> going to remember it, but essentially it's like the first beer we had, which was called. Uh, a yeah. celestial city, which had a great misculture fermentation, bitter, hot, minerality content to it, and it's like. So, how do you balance that with a beer that has a lot of fruit character too, and not lose the great beer you built as the base, but also give people
4: like a great expression of the fruit? <laughs> the golden question: um, how How do you do it? I think it's. I think it's difficult. I think it's. Um, it's about balancing acidity. And um, and body is really really important. Um, you can't have a um, a uh, a beer that is is flabby and then um, add add fruit to it. Expect it to be perfect um, after that. Um, you know, it, it's actually it's great because uh, this beer is incredibly fruited. Professional, what beer are we talking about? Um, this is called the Fruitening
1: Part One. <laughs> M Night Shyamalan's best movie. Ever. Yes, <laughs> there's a twist at the end. What? A
4: twist. It's a nice, of fruit. It's a nice finish. As Um, opposed to the actual movie, The Happening. um, (laughs) No, but it's just like we were talking about all about balance. Um, You know, the the acidity is is huge in these things. Like sometimes you might have a beer that um, we've definitely had beers that were missing something. And we added that fruit, uh, an acidic fruit. And that came around. It turned it around. It it shaped it a little bit more. Nice. Um, And I think that's important. But also in sour beer, um, we think of them always fermenting dry. But sour beer with a little bit of body can be incredible for, for fruit. You know, sure. a few few degrees Play Doh that haven't fin- finished out, you know, really makes something nice. You think about sour beer being dry,
1: especially because we're all worried about over attenuation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But sometimes stability is just stability. Like I remember I've said this on the show before, when we started the Rare Barrel, it was I reached out to a bunch of sour beer brewers, and it's like, where do your beers finish before you package them? And it's from four Play Doh to like never anything but 0.0. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. Very unhelpful. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at a certain point it's just like you got to trial and error and like kind of get a sense for the beer it's like it seems like it's stopped keep it in package be a little conservative on the sugar you add keep it in house for a while and then go forward with that what's been your guys experience dealing with stability in
4: sour beer yeah, it depends. I, I think our, our beers have been generally pretty stable. We've definitely had some issues with gushing and things like that, but they haven't been from the fruit as much. Mm-hmm. We've done certain things to, to make sure that it doesn't you know over-attenuate. And we always keep everything in-house. We do a long bottle conditioning, like I was saying, and quality control is incredibly important for us. But I think that when we started, we were really concerned about it, even a couple degrees here and there, not like point the tenth, tenth of a degree. degree. Yeah. And now we're way less concerned about that. If it gets a little bit more carbonated over a year, that's fine.
1: Because you have experience. Yeah. Not because, because you're not still concerned yes. about it. It's just like you've seen so many data points that it's... And I, I feel the same way about the beers we're making at the Rare Barrel. You just know, okay, here's packaging Play-Doh. Here's where it gets stable-ish and then you can check in a year later and it's like oh it went down 0.1 maybe and that's in the margin of error mm-hmm. or 0.2 and it's like oh this is not over carbonated so
4: i think there's definitely something i don't know what it is about if it's different in home when it, when we homebrewed like it seems like i got more a lot more bottle bombs and things like that but um i think that there's something about the the, the yeast and its ability to ferment um long term when it's bottle conditioned at high high levels you know so um i think that that definitely inhibits it to some extent and when we're carving up to three volumes we're not seeing fermentation past that very often yeah Um, as long as it's you know semi-stable i mean the other thing is that a lot of fruits um this is a big thing is that a lot of fruits don't taste like the fruit you expect them to unless they have that sweetness Mm -hmm. you know like a blueberry is a great example like blueberries if you just drop all the sweetness out of a blueberry it doesn't really taste that good you know yeah. there's a lot of fruit like that so having a little bit of body a little bit of sweetness is is a tricky thing to get for for some fruits you know strawberry has been a big one for us strawberries are actually pretty earthy yeah. without their sweetness whereas like something like a peach that has a lot of flavor but strawberries you have to have a beer that has a little bit of, of a higher finishing gravity for it to taste like strawberries did we hear that at, of behind the glass they're having like a fat party back
2: there uh, yeah what's the conversation
3: Kevin, what's
1: going on back there
3: are we being loud
2: <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Got Jay's attention. It's like, when, when I get
1: a knock on my door from my neighbor, it's like, that's, that. yeah, that is, I open the door, it's like, are we being loud? <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: Sorry, we can, can't hear you guys. <laughs> yeah, cool story, bro. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> so this beer.
1: Um, <laughs> I love that, see, Andrew's such a pro. He's on no, the, you're, journey, you're the it long, You know,
4: you take care of the ads, I'll, I'll take care of the
1: <laughs> And, forgive me, like, you... You said you're like, oh, I'm maybe like a little nervous coming in here. It's like, therapy. no, 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 you're you're on it. You're pivoting back so to the beer constantly. You,
3: you got it. I am so. And that is the focus you. of Modern Times. The beer, the beer. Yes. Yeah, the beer. I got gotcha.
1: you. <laughs> yes. Oh, not this nonsense.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> we uh, believe us. We at Modern Times are all big fans of all the nonsense that happens at Brewing Network. But this beer. Um, Can tell us more about so this the, beer. This is the beer on it. This but. is the fruitening part one. So this is actually a collaboration with Mike Tonsmere. Who's been on the show? Frequent guest of the show, or, or occasional guest of the show? Twice, and um, uh, yeah, not as much as a Stefan, I guess. Anyway, this is right. Mike is Consmeyer, the Mad Fermentationist. He's on the show right now. Yes, he mm-hmm. is. Um, but um, so anyway, we did a collaboration with him um, with his new brewery um, called Sapwood Cellars. He he he's helped uh, help Modern Times in the beginning. He started working with um, with Jacob and the brewers at Modern Times year one, and they kind of like made a, a sour program, a concept of a sour program. Um, that still lives on in some ways to this day. But he came back. He came over to uh, to our little barrel warehouse, and we did a little collaboration with him. So we did a blending collaboration. But we wanted to make this kind of like fruit wine thing that we were talking about. So this has massive, massive amounts of fruit in it. Actually, part one is a little bit more low-key. It only has four pounds per gallon of fruit in it. Only. Um, yeah. So part one had four pounds per gallon. And the reason why we did that was because we really liked the fruit character. In here, and I'll get to that in just a second. Part two was like about eight pounds per gallon.
2: Is that the highest number we've heard on the show thus far? Has anyone I mean, said we've done more done a million, than million
4: that? pounds per a gallon? gallon. <laughs> One million. I think like around twelve pounds per gallon, you start getting into like it's just fruit juice territory, or like it's illegal. It's illegal, yeah, but <laughs> but like um, depending on the fruit, yeah. And, and this huge. one so this one's actually um, pretty low it actually might be higher than that on the part two but we did we did two different ones so what we did was we, we did a blending um, we took all these barrels that we had let um, we tried everything made this base and and when we made this blend we wanted to have a little bit of like residual sugar in there a little bit of like a little bit of body mouthfeel and then we wanted to just like load it up with a ton of fruit so we put some dark sours in there and some blondes and corsette and stuff like that um, we even mm-hmm. had um, some of this red ale that was aged in Spanish brandy barrels as well, which is mm, cool. Interesting. Um, or sour red. And this one has um, black currant puree, blueberry puree, and Zinfandel. The thing about the Zinfandel, so actually, I, I'm a little disappointed. Not disappointed. It tastes incredible. It's super jammy. It's very, very and good. It's, it's really, really nice. But when we first, the reason why we actually separated this batch from the second batch is because the first batch uh, had this really cool tannic kind of whole cluster green character to mm-hmm. it and that was from the zinfandel that we got so we actually didn't get we got whole cluster zinfandel which is kind of no one gives a shit about zinfandel right like i mean it's popular yeah. but it's that you don't see it very often actually i had a great one from brock sellers last night nice I had their Zin, but it's in west Berkeley by the rare barrel yeah anyway so zinfandel um great must that we got and it just had this like great kind of grassy almost herbal spicy you know, uh, green pepper nose to it. Yeah, a lot of people um, say green, the green bell pepper. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's not it's not a bad way. Like you can have bad green bell pepper, but it's just like it's there. It adds a little bit of complexity, a little bit of spice. Um, and now it's it's kind of gone, and it's much more uh, boysenberry blueberry. Uh, but that, that was your level of disappointment. Where yeah, it's, like it's it's evolving over time, but
1: there's still a lot going on there. Where it's like it's still magnificent and. All these beers are what I term technical term as bangers. Oh yeah, they're all great. They all slap. yeah, this, these guys oh, slap no. yeah, for sure.
4: Um, <laughs> and actually the beer is actually, I think better than it was. It just doesn't have that character that I was excited about. It's actually really incredible and I'm excited. I'm, I'm loving it right now. I haven't had it in a long time. We released it last July and it's um, nice. it's just really nice. So um, this beer was like all about doing over the top fruit character. Well, that was the concept. The concept was like, how much fruit can we make put in this beer? And it like be, I don't know, like just make it a super jammy banger, you know? Banger slap, yeah. slash slapper. Scott, let's
1: get to a question. But sh- before we do, I want to thank one of our great sponsors who bring us all these questions. This question and all questions are brought to you by Dr. Lampick, great guy, and his team at SourBeerBlog.com. Check him out. Check out the articles on Sour Beer Blog for a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now the Sour Beer Blog crew is opening their own brewery. In fact, it's open in Central Pennsylvania. It's got tap room too, some cool snacks and great pictures. Have you seen the Instagram? It's incredible. Oh, of Melamink. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's terrific. It'll Check be a them Beautiful out. spot. Melamink Brewing at Melamink. Com.
2: All right, here's a question from Joe regarding what might happen to his barrel, and maybe we can talk about how you guys treat barrels. Yeah. Joe says, I uh, love the show. Thank you for all the work. I recently took mead out of a bourbon barrel. My goal was to attempt to neutralize the barrel while making a kick-ass mead. After pulling the mead out, I filled the barrel with water, and I let it sit for a few days. When I removed the bung, the smell of rotten eggs filled my entire basement. The mead turned out amazing, and my next step was to put a golden in with some bugs to start my Solera. But I don't know. Can I save the barrel, or is the sulfur a point of no return?
4: What do you guys think? I wonder where the sulfur came from. Do you think like yeah, it, right? if, if it was like... If it was a contamination in the water or whatever, that would be kind of surprising. I wonder if there was like some sulfur from wherever he got the barrel from. Mm-hmm. But the mead apparently is fine. Yeah. The mead is fine? Yeah. He said
2: it's, he said amazing actually. So is it possible that whatever was in there was dormant two, didn't affect the mead? Two
1: days. Yeah. Is it's a short. little, actually a little longer than I would prefer for just water. No mm-hmm. citric acid no and i'm i 'm off this now, but the potassium made by sulfite that 's a little bit long, and I'm, i 'm mean, i I actually don 't know that much about mead, but maybe there's some residual sugar left mm. where it 's like you know you can 't rinse that whole thing out so if it 's sugar and water in a porous non sanitary environment which it's not that I mean, 's not commentary on your practices that 's just what oak barrels are non sanitary environments. Sure. If you're still trying to put the beer in there, maybe what I would do is load it up with as much boiling hot water as you can and rinse it out, Um, but then you should be fine. I mean, because also a bourbon barrel is like not a hospitable environment because it's been charred from the inside. I'd be pretty certain that it's from the mead and perhaps contamination, but if you swish around some boiling hot water, caveat... Brewing network and the rare barrel and Jacobin do not endorse doing weird things with boiling hot water <laughs> and injuring yourself. Yeah. But maybe that's what I would do: is just like try and kill everything in there and then fill it up.
2: How would he keep the water at a boiling point while filling an entire barrel? Oh, uh, I wouldn't fill the entire still. barrel. Oh,
1: just as much as you can boil,
2: and then just dump in there straight it there. off. The I mean, it could be like a
1: you know an eight quart pot that you have at your in your kitchen. Boil it up, you know, get a funnel, pour it in put a bung on it, switch it around, be very, very careful, don't wear flip-flops,
4: go from there. That's where you lost me. Yeah, like, I'm not interested sorry, anymore. Sorry, SoCal. <laughs> it, it just, yeah, it doesn't seem like necessarily, I mean, at least it's not acetone. You know? Yeah. Sulfur's kind of like a weird, it's a weird one to it's strange. About, but, yeah. And it's possible, you, you know, it could just be like, no offense, like confusing
1: with something else, maybe, because that seems weird. Sulfur seems like fermentation to me.
4: And it's a bourbon barrel too, so... There wouldn't be sulfur. It probably wouldn't be sulfur. It just
1: seems like... So let's just introduce the possibility that it could be some other smell that you don't like that you're attributing to sulfur. So yeah, I mean, boiling water is very good, uh, very dangerous. Don't sue me. And (laughs) it seems like since you filled it with water, you're not so worried about the flavor carryover. I've seen, and in fact, it's on uh, our friend Brandon from Yazoo and Embrace the Funk on his Embrace the Funk blog. could be wrong about this, or maybe it's on milk funk, but where you get a, again, also danger caveat, you get a a pressure cooker and you're able to get steam out of there and steam the barrel. It might take a long time, longer than any pro-burr would have patience for, but if you have one oak barrel, you can rig it up so there's steam going into the barrel and that would do probably an even better job of both neutralizing and killing anything, yeah, and yeah. I think that would be my safety preference, hmm. honestly, than handling like a large amount of boiling water. Right. But it's still like there's still a danger factor there. If he's
4: sure. dealing with oak barrels, the other thing that actually Brandon told us was a uh, was a wallpaper steamer, like a pressure cooker, but just like a little electric element in a in a little plastic container. They're like forty bucks on Amazon. Yeah. They got a little tube. Pop it in there.
1: Yeah, it's not fancy. It's Secret. just like, yeah, just get some hot H2O in there and steam
2: scrape. Mm-hmm. So Now, just to clarify, you're concerned about water sitting in there. You said two days is a little long. Mold? Mold for sure. But also, like, essentially, like, I,
1: I'd be worried that the meat he took out, he didn't completely take out. Right. So now he has, like, low Play-Doh, low alcohol, but some sugar content, sugary water in there. Nothing's going to inhibit worse things than mold to grow in there if if you're actually smelling sulfur that'd be my only guess is that you have some like and i know yeast is mold but like some weird fermentation re-fermentation going on also just side note hate bourbon barrels they're the worst they leak they're literally lit on fire from the inside (laughs) if you can get your hand if you're if you
4: have they're the devil's barrels
2: yeah, just just climb aboard this aircraft. The airframe has been lit on fire from the inside, but don't worry. Yeah, it'll fine. fly fine.
1: You can hear the cabin pressure, you know, going out. But now it's cool. It's fine. The flavor is great. It's good old American ingenuity. <laughs> the oak barrel, light it up. If you have a barrel and you want like an actual good barrel, get a wine barrel. They're out there.
2: So now, what's the uh, what's your guys's treatment program for your barrels?
4: Um, so we've uh, we've really focused on kind of newer barrels we reuse some of the oak barrels that we have but um we're kind of like more looking towards more um more specialty barrels whether that be like um, Madeira or sherry or a certain type of wine or something like that um but when we do need to re- reuse them we'll like add some citric acid do like a citric acid um water blend or we'll steam them we have a little steamer or ozone we have ozone which is um, probably not um useful for the home brewer. We'll Actually, there are some like small ozone things oh really for yeah I don't know how you'd rig them up but yeah and that anything like that is going to strip the flavor so it's like with the fooders that we have now we're hoping to do more fermentations in those and have a little bit of oak character but for our barrels we want to get kind of um, unique oak and unique um, spirit or or whatever whatever was in there before flavor um, and move away from the single barrel thing mm-hmm. a little bit yeah yeah I think it's break time yeah it is thank you for the question Joe we'll be right back on the Sour Hour.
2: Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishef, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses
1: massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and
2: hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew
3: recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled
1: in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy,
2: but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it.
0: Cheers find heretic beers near you, click on find some at hereticbrewing.com.
1: Hour hour hitting all the heavy
2: topics. That will not be one of the off-air conversations that we air during the no. breaks, like we keep promising we're going to. That won't no. be one of them.
1: No, no. Um, speaking of heavy hitting, Nishamdy Creek Brewing, three times Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year. I didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Two-time JBF Vienna style Lager medal winner. Two times for Bronze Smoke Lager. Great beers. Renovated tasting room with a variety of beer styles to from Hoppy Double IPA, Accessible Pound Bloggers. Hoppy. Hoppy. Oak Fremont Saisons and Sour Beers. Free brewery tours on Saturdays. New ish. Second location <laughs> opening a million years ago. Nashamity Creek Brewing. Nashamity Creek Brewing.com. All right. All right. We're back with Modern Times.
4: Yes.
2: We got a final beer here. Final beer. More, like the, I know, it's more like the sour
4: hours, am I right,
2: guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Forigos>. Sour day. <laughs>
4: what do we have here? This is great again, all the bangers. Oh yeah. One other thing, um well about this beer is that we're putting the we have the TA for all of our, our beers as well. And mm-hmm. if they're not on the bottle, then um you can get it, you know, by emailing us or something like that if you guys are interested it's on in modern moderntimes.com. Not on moderntimes.com. Too many beers for everything to be on the website right now. We need like a full time website updater mm-hmm. for that. But this beer is called Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. Shrine of the Forsaken Gods, and it's a collaboration with um, Jester King. This is actually heard of them? Yeah, they're a small brewery in uh, near Austin, Texas. A little farmhouse brewery. Mm. How's the stuff Um, they put out? um, I would say it's um, it's uh, world class. Yeah, oh. That would be, be the way oh, to describe Scott. Yeah.
3: Hey, this is Avery with two brown thumbs from Jester King Brewery.
4: Formerly.
3: Formerly,
1: Formerly. Oh, Avery. Love Avery. She's going to be on a panel with us at the Craft Brewers Conference. Oh. Uh, Corey King, Jeremy Grinky,
4: awesome. myself, and Avery. That sounds like a sour group of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, terrible. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, anyway. so collab. Um, yeah, so uh, the first one was... Uh, was a collaboration. This is a rebrew, you know, still in the in the in the style of that, but um, done a little differently. So we started with um, a simple base, uh, keeping it pretty straightforward. Uh, lots of spelt, and I think, some oats in there, and then we um, we fermented it in stainless with with Jester King's house culture, um, not their spawn culture or like their spontaneous stuff, but just like their house culture that they had at the time. And then something that we had that was wildly harvested. So it wasn't a spontaneous beer, but it was spontaneous like bugs from the san diego area that we we collected so we let some some wort um ferment in a barrel we took that out and then added it to this beer nice the second batch of it what we did was we knocked it out um or we we, we brewed a batch we knocked it out into um into macro bins which are like uh, big plastic bins that you use to transfer grapes stuff like that in a in wine making but they're open top and we um, added those cultures into that those macrobins, and let it ferment um, open. So it's actually open fermented. <laughs> um, once it was done fermenting, once the the chrysan, uh died down, we racked it into barrels. So this is a barrel aged version. The first version of Shrine of the Forsaken Gods was all stainless. Um, so we racked it into the bourbon barrel or into the wine barrels, and then we pulled it out and um, put uh, raspberries on it. Um, they were IQF raspberries, so ind- individually quick frozen uh, raspberries. At about uh, almost four pounds per gallon of raspberries, a lot of rab- raspberries, yeah. <laughs> especially the then, raspberry. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and well, then,
2: what uh, is, is it normally? What like a pound or two is enough with raspberries? Raspberries are just stronger. So, you know, we talked about um,
1: previous beer where it was like you know five six seven pounds or something like that i think eight was the number
4: uh yeah so uh eight was the one for the fruitening yeah, yeah 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 Eight and or ten. And, yeah.
1: you know lighter yeah. fruits like you know stone fruit peach something like that mm-hmm. go big and the, there's never like almost there's never too much and raspberries you got to be careful though because it's like it isn't a start of fruit
4: berries in general are like are pretty potent and um they're great because you don't have to use that much if you want to get like a good uh, berry character, but they can also be. But then, also, you can put four pounds per gallon in that. Yep. So, this is pretty jammy, and um, it's pretty nice. And I think it's it's a little bit more tannic, like slightly drier than the first batch, but has a great complexity. Um, I love the nose on this one, a um, little bit more funky. But it's it's kind of a cool beer that has a really cool process and has a little bit of both of the acid profile from both breweries, I mm-hmm. think, um, which is really nice. Yeah, that's very cool. I like this beer a lot.
2: It is jammy as compared to the beer from the last segment. You can really take it's it's a one fruit beer, and you can yeah. really taste raspberries. Whereas, and I was telling you guys in, in the break there how the last beer was you wouldn't be able to pinpoint exactly what fruits were in it. You would just know that it was really fruity.
4: Yeah, and I think that the first beer we had, Celestial City, was like it was reminiscent of fruit, um, you know, tropical and kind of citrusy, but not jammy in the same way. Right. Yes. And jammy is something that you really get with like a lot of fruit. Sure. I think, and it's it's nice. It's it's um, nostalgic. And uh, and delicious, and you want to drink, you want to keep on coming back to it, and um, I'm sure you guys do many jammy beers. at totally The rare barrel, big time jammy. go have something that right now.
2: <laughs> well, and I actually, I meant to ask you, Jay, when we were that that eight number blew my mind. That eight pounds per maybe, yeah. M- yeah Maybe I'm not um, I'm off base because you didn't react the same way, but you've never used a fruiting rate that high in a rare barrel beer. Is that fair to say?
1: I think the closest we've come is probably fruiting in an oak barrel that's half full. So it's like. Uh, Sixty gallons. I don't know. Well, I don't know the poundage though. Do you think it was close to eight pounds? You think you've ever gone that high?
4: No, it's pretty high. So when I figure, like when you do in an oak, barrel, well, the most we've ever in a full oak barrel when you're stuffing fruit into it before it starts filling out or coming out the top, we figure it's about two pounds per gallon. Mm-hmm. So that was like when we first were doing at modern times when we first had uh, peach beer. We did we had this like sour beer that we made a uh, year in barrel. of of fermenting with bugs mixed culture and then we picked our barrels and then we're going to put peaches and nectarines in them so we we, um we process the nectarines and peaches and then we we're going to put them in the barrel and we're stuffing them into the barrel just in the top of the barrel you know this is for almost five years ago and um we're stuffing them in the top of the barrel and then we're we're getting beer coming out and we we go to jacob and we're like jacob there's a there's beer coming out of the barrel he's like yeah Like, put more fruit in there. (laughs) And I'm like, what about the beer? It's so good. He's like, there needs to be more fruit in that barrel. And that was about two pounds. So like, we stopped doing that because we wanted to increase the fruit. So the amount that we're doing now is at least double that on average, is double that amount. So double stuffing it into there. I know you guys were doing kind of like fruit first, right? And then before there's any beer. Beer, yeah. We just do it in stainless now for that kind of conditioning Mm -hmm. um, part. But similar idea. Yeah. Lots of fruit, yeah, lots more of the fruit. better. So
1: we had a lot of great beer tonight.
2: Oh, yeah, so much good stuff.
1: If we had another show to go, we do all the beers. But you guys were kind enough to bring many, many beers for us. We'll enjoy them off air, indeed, as well as great conversations about many things and uh, <laughs> deep
3: philosophical conversations. Yeah, break up um, those black
1: and milds. But before, oh wow, <laughs> deep cut, deep cut. Uh, no, we're not playing poker tonight. It's all good. in call. Got to go to work. But before we depart i want to ask a couple more questions one where can people get these modern times beers
3: uh, these specifically are kind of different Everything. beers um, what's the dis- distribution so footprint for modern times we uh kind of have you know our range of small batch special projects beers like we've been tasting here and those are available generally from our tap rooms however uh they often go into our online sale so if you go to our newsletter moderntimesbeer.com it's in the upper right hand corner put your email in there we don't spam too much it's like one email a week um, and we'll let you know when the next online sale is coming what beers are going to be on it um, and then we have a pickup window um, so if you're in southern California one of our three tap rooms in San Diego um, or a restaurant brewery in LA or one in Portland um, you can kind of plan your trip pick it up uh, we do have more uh, tap rooms uh, slated to open in the next year and uh, Timeline's kind of still a little bit TBD, but the, the, the plan is that we want people to have a place they can go try these beers. Uh, we can be part of your neighborhood, um, and you can get them there. Um, and then beyond that, we do see, uh, we, we try to get, you know, beers of all different types out in the distro. So talk to your local Great Craft Beer Bar. uh you want to see special Modern Times beers, and... We'll work to get them uh, when we have them available to them.
2: Can I speak on behalf of the uh, the Brewing Network Studios green room?
3: Yep. You know, you I, I, I want them we here, want. please. Yeah. yeah. We've got, uh, a, we've got a few, you know. I mean, we carry your beer all the time. But I we don't, know don't know if we can say the name of, of this establishment I, on I, air. I, you're but, uh, uh, Well, this, you should. Scott, you can say it.
2: The Hop Grenade would love to carry modern times beer that is the, the, barrel, this, the special stuff. There, we there, have the clean side stuff all the there time.
3: There are actually a few 750s of really special stuff um, in the cold box as we speak. So if you want to come watch a taping, um, come down and drink some really awesome Modern Times beers.
4: Nice. And I think um we we focus on our, our league our, our like you know, our group of people, our club kind of what they're excited about and putting those beers out and sometimes they just they take them all for themselves. But we try to have stuff in the tasting rooms and especially more draft, you know, like mm-hmm. um of this of the stuff. So sour beers are, are great and we want stuff that's gonna be the range as you taste it today, like the range of stuff where it's like you want incredibly fruity stuff or do you want something that's like almost on that lager spectrum of sour? You know, I mean I hate to say that. I hate to like not give Saison uh, the credence that it's due. I absolutely love Saison. It's my favorite style and it's like, then it's such a diverse and flavorful style, but it's like, um, in, in the last couple of years, it seems like it's gotten kind of reduced a little bit and people aren't excited about Saison as much as they used to be. No, mm. well, I don't know about that. That's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Have they ever <laughs> been excited, are they ever about, excited it? about it? Yeah, and, it, and it's like, there's just the next so many, the IPA. <laughs> there's so many great Saison's um, that people are making now and I think that some of our stuff has been really incredible and we're just trying to Make something really drinkable, tasty. And you've got it. So yeah. Yeah.
1: for people who want to make that level of beer, I have a final question for you, Andrew.
4: Yeah, finally.
1: What do you think is the big, biggest mistake in sour beer making?
4: Uh, the biggest mistake in sour beer making? Um, you know, I've heard this show enough times to know that um, that uh, people release, <laughs> and I agree with most people that, um, that it's like some you don't have to release every beer, and when you're making sour beer, it's it's a bit of a risk, a bit of a gamble. I think um, the biggest um, mistake in sour beer making is the idea that like experimentation is what matters. Like you're making something for the sake of the experiment. You should make something that is drinkable and, and delicious, and that that's what the goal of something is. It's not just because it's not high concept, you know. Um, Those things have a place, for sure. Um, But I think that if you're focusing on something that... You're making something that people want, um, whether it be you or your consumers or whatever, that's how you're going to make the best beer. That's what we strive for. It's not just being like, hey, we added this much fruit. We don't give a shit what it tastes like. It's like, we added this much fruit because we think it's going to give a profile that's really exciting for you guys and what you're going to like. And that's kind of like our ethos in a lot of
1: beer making. Awesome. Yeah. So not just... Not experimentation or even process for the sake of experimentation and process. It's about enjoying the beer at the end of the day.
4: Yeah. I mean, you enjoy goos. Like, I enjoy goos. And it's like, you don't want to make something spontaneous just because... Or you, if it doesn't come out good, but it was spontaneously fermented, that doesn't make it a good beer. Yeah. You know? It still needs to taste good. And, the, and that goes along with, like, acetone or whatever. Like, those are sour beers. Like, mm-hmm. they have acetic acid. They have vinegary flavors. But that doesn't mean you want to drink them. For sure. All right. Scott, I think we should wrap on that
1: comment agreed big thanks to modern times thank you guys so much for being here today thank
4: you so much for having us yeah, um, absolutely this is great this was yeah a great, great time i hope you enjoyed the beers and um we have a great team of modern times and it's all very uh team oriented there so i just want to shout out to them too um and also andrew does yeah, everything <laughs> thanks to bevo <laughs> the, thanks the beers were outstanding
2: you're welcome
1: that, thank I you do so everything much for here. bringing thanks them. to the sponsors thanks to the listeners until next time stay sour All these beers are what I term, technical term, as bangers. Oh, yeah. They're all great. They all slap.